Hello, you're listening to a Medieval Madness podcast. To see the accompanying visuals, please check out our YouTube channel. Cheers! Before we dive into today's episode, it's worth reminding ourselves of the huge political and social advancements of the last century that allow us to look back and condemn the incredibly evil and inhumane atrocities of the past. Only by looking back can we see how far we've come towards building a world that is safe and accepting of everyone. Throughout history, there have always been people who belong to the LGBTQ community. In antiquity, same-sex relations were common, and it was acceptable for men to have both male and female lovers outside of marriage. Regarded as a way of controlling the population, Plato compared the acceptance of homosexuality to democracy and its repression to tyranny. Both the terms heterosexuality and homosexuality were not created until the 19th century, and there was no understanding of these terms in the Middle Ages. No one in medieval Europe would have referred to themselves, or anyone else, as gay, straight, lesbian, transgender, or bisexual. There was only normal and what they deemed abnormal sexual behaviour, and what was normal was decided by the Christian church at that time. For the most part, there aren't many historical resources during the Middle Ages about same-sex relationships between women, although any sort of sex that did not result in conception was known as sodomy. In fact, the church was antagonistic to any form of sexual expression at all. Let's travel back in time and look into homosexuality during the Middle Ages. Welcome to Medieval Madness. Justinian the Byzantine Emperor Justinian, who ruled during the 6th century, had an intense dislike for homosexuality and passed many laws as a consequence. He stated that, quote, certain men were seized by the most disgraceful lusts and acts contrary to nature. He blamed homosexuals for floods and earthquakes, not unlike the Christian right today who claimed that natural disasters are the wrath of God because of lesbians and gay men. He also recommended cruel and violent punishments that were particularly directed at men and included mutilation of the genitals. The people of Constantinople suffered greatly during the 6th century. The bubonic plague wiped out 40% of its population and it was also rocked by several earthquakes, causing even more fatalities. What Justinian needed to succeed in his military conquests were young, fit fighters for his army. This could only be achieved with a rapid growth of the population, and same-sex couples could not procreate. Sodomy Church condemnation of homosexuality actually started to appear again in the 11th century after the Codex Justinianus. A collection of Emperor Justinian's legal theories re-emerged at the University of Bologna in Italy. This triggered a revival of his attitudes and punishments on homosexuality which influenced European feelings and practices. It was then that the clergy itself became the focus of constant criticism. In the middle of the century, Peter Damian wrote the text The Book of Gomorrah for Pope Leo IX. Damian was a cardinal and doctor of the church. He was also an important figure who helped to shape Gregorian reform, a movement led by Pope Gregory VII, which was concerned with the moral integrity and independence of the clergy. In the text, Damien listed four categories that qualified as sodomy, solitary masturbation, mutual masturbation, sex between the thighs of two partners of the same sex, and anal sex, which he maintained was the most apparent. Strangely, oral sex is not included in the list, but Damien considered sodomy even more evil than bestiality. 
Damien believed that the wicked behaviour of the clergy was beginning to incite violence from the lay people who were outraged. He said homosexuals should not be ordained, and those who already had should be dismissed regardless of their circumstances or age. Although Pope Leo supported celibacy for the clergy, and agreed that all vice was to be condemned, he rejected the idea of excluding clerics unless they had repeatedly committed offences over a long period. In 1102, the Council of London was convened by Anselm of Canterbury. It started the Gregorian Reformation, and banned all of those in holy orders from marriage, drunkenness, and fornication. The council also condemned sodomy, ruling that any cleric found guilty of the crime was to be degraded. It was probably this attempt to establish celibacy throughout the clerical world that helped to develop and nurture revulsion towards those committing homosexual acts. And consequently, the emotional conflicts caused by forced celibacy resulted in an illogical anger towards homosexuality among the people. Of course, money was always part of the equation. The church was becoming wealthier, and if a priest was married, his loyalty would be split between the church and his family. On his death, a cleric was more likely to leave any monies and property that he owned to his surviving wife and offspring, rather than bequeathing it to the church. Meanwhile, over in the Holy Land, the Council of Nablus, led by King Baldwin II and Warmond, the Patriarch of Jerusalem, established a canon law that created punishments for sodomy. They were the first to appear in medieval law. Canon 8 stated that adult sodomites, both active and passive parties, should be burnt at the stake. If the passive party was either elderly or a child, then Canon 9 states that only the active party should be burned and the passive party should repent. According to Canon 11, if a sodomite repents, he can avoid punishment, but if he is found to have committed sodomy a second time, he will be allowed to repent again, but he will then be exiled. The Christian mystic and polymath, Hildegard of Bingen, who was born seven years after the death of St. Peter Damien, claimed to see visions and chronicled them in an illustrated work known as Scivius. In the second book, she described how God condemned same-sex intercourse between women, saying, quote, A woman who takes up devilish ways and plays a male role in coupling with another woman is most vile in my sight, and so is she who subjects herself to such a one in this evil deed. Later in the 13th century, the Dominican friar and theologian Thomas Aquinas was a proponent of natural law, believing it is through the act of sex that new life is created, and this is impossible in a same-sex relationship. He considered homosexuality an unnatural vice and a sin, one second only to bestiality. And the teachings of Aquinas were extremely influential on the Catholic Church. For them, the main concern was risk of social deviance, which in this case was homosexuality, namely being men who had sex with other men, and so they were condemned as having depraved habits and became persecuted. Knights The circumstances in which knights were trained would have encouraged an intimacy between the noble youths. They were taught to live together as a brotherhood and tutored by an older male. Every moment was spent in one another's company from the age of about 11. Sometimes the unit would stay together until the knights were into their thirties, longer still if suitable marriage partners could not be found. There were several orders of monastic knights, such as the Hospitalers or the Templars, who swore an oath of chastity. The Templars were powerful, extremely wealthy, and during the Crusades were known for being one of the most skilled fighting units who answered only to the Pope. But their downfall came at the hands of King Philip of France. In 1307, Pope Clement V asked the king for help with an investigation into the conduct of the Templars, as an allegation had been raised against the order from a former, ousted member. The king seized upon this accusation. He was deeply in debt from his war against England, having already stripped the Jews of all their wealth and banishing them from France, he now turned his attention to the Templars. 
On Friday, October the 13th, he ordered the arrest of the Templars, including their Grand Master, Jacques de Molay, in Paris. Keen to turn the medieval people against them, the order was accused of what were thought at the time to be the most heinous of crimes, such as denying Christ, spitting on the cross, taking part in indecent kissing and homosexuality, as well as fraud, corruption, and the worship of false idols. And it seems that once again, as with the clergy, any group with all-male affiliates was looked upon with some suspicion. It's not surprising that when the Templars were put on trial, it was those that were tortured, mostly in France and Italy, that confessed their guilt. In other European countries such as Ireland, England and Cyprus, admissions were less forthcoming. And although the Templar accusations of uncontrolled homoeroticism in the 14th century were probably false, the connection between other bands of knights and homosexuality makes it conceivable that same-sex relationships were common and accepted among knights and the nobility in England and Europe during the early and high Middle Ages. Persecution the Cathar religion came into prominence in the 11th century. By the 13th, it was the dominant faith in the Languedoc region of southern France. The Cathars were vegetarians, believed in gender equality, led austere lives, and had no problem with euthanasia, contraception, or homosexuality. Of course, these teachings were considered sacrilegious by the Catholic Church. This led their persecutors to accuse them of committing sodomy. In 1208, Pope Innocent III ordered a crusade against them. During decades of persecution, thousands of Cathars from all over Europe were massacred by either sword or mass burnings, regardless of either rank, age, or sex. In 1230, the French theologian and canon, Jacques de Verti, described the city of Paris as being filled with sodomites. He said that, quote, "...prostitutes dragged passing clerics to brothels by force through the streets. Any man who kept a concubine was held in high esteem." A homosexual scandal at the University of Paris in 1292 resulted in the expulsion of many tutors and students alike. Male prostitution, lesbianism, and trans people were seen in Venice and Rome, and in Parma, the friar and historian Salambian de Adamo said homosexuality was especially common amongst scholars, clerks, and nuns during the 13th century. In the 13th century, Alfonso X of Castile and Leon in Spain ordered the first ruling in Europe that called for castration and stoning as the punishment for any, quote, sins against nature, which included sodomy. It could be said that the brutality of these punishments for homosexuals was not out of proportion with those dealt out for what were seen as other offences before God at the time. It was common for limbs to be removed for transgressions such as adultery and blasphemy. France made sexual acts between people of the same sex a crime in 1206. Punishment was removal of the clitoris or testicles for a first offence, and amputation of the breasts or penis for a second transgression. A third warranted a burning at the stake. Ten years later, Louis IX made anal sex a capital crime, also punishable by burning. And in 1292, in what is now modern-day Belgium, the very first execution in Western Europe was carried out on two men for a same-sex act. And in 1432, Florence became the first European city to establish a special court to prosecute offences of sodomy. Over the next 70 years, the officers of the knights charged more than 10,000 men and boys, convicting at least 2,000 who avoided additional punishments by paying a fine. We can only be thankful that today, huge political movements have reversed most of these oppressive laws around a lot of the world but it's important to look back and study these evil doings of the time. 
Thank you so much for watching this episode of Medieval Madness. I do hope you've enjoyed it. Please do subscribe to the channel if you want to see more videos as we release more every week. And I'll see you in the next one. Cheers!